Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday worship service for the Bronx region of the New York City Church of Christ. We're glad you're able to join us today, and we hope that you will be encouraged, inspired, challenged by the Word of God today. We've been doing a study series on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So let's turn over our Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 22. Galatians 5 verse 22 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. And since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. You know, over the past few weeks, we've talked about how the fruit of the Holy Spirit can be broken down into three different areas. The first one is the inward fruit, love, joy, peace. Then we have the outward fruit, patience, kindness, goodness. And then we have the Godward fruit, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So today, this morning, we're going to talk about a fruit that is probably, if not the hardest, one of the hardest to really apply to our lives consistently day after day. And that is the fruit of self-control. It's so important for us to understand the fruit of self-control. Because all these other things we talked about, the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, we can't actually put them into practice without self-control. Once again, let's go back to the basics of how we're going to look at this. Let's first of all define self-control. The definition of self-control is to grip or to take hold of. Now, this word describes a person who's willing to get a grip on their life, to take hold of areas of their lives so that they can have a greater opportunity for something else. So the definition of self-control to grip or to take hold of is basically the power to keep yourself in check. It's the, the ability, the quality to overcome the flesh, overcome the selfish desires that our sinful nature has. Commentator William Barclay once said this, self-control is the virtue which makes a man so master of himself that he is fit to serve others. Incredible. Let's turn over to Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. Proverbs 25, verse 28. It says, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. A city whose walls are broken down that are in ruin is like a man who lacks self-control. See, this tells us the importance of having self-control. Proverbs, it, it talks to us, it gives us wisdom. It says, listen, self-control is so important in your life. Why? Anything uncontrolled can harm you and the relationships around you. So if we can't have self-control, we're going to hurt ourselves and those around us. John Maxwell writes, in reading about the lives of great people, I found that the first victory they won was over themselves. You know, it is so important for us to understand we must have self-control if we're going to be the victorious Christians that God wants us to be. 
You know, there's a sign that was in an office once and it read, if you could kick the person responsible for most of your troubles, you will never be able to sit down for about a week. Because we ourselves are usually responsible for the problems that come up in our life. Now, most of us, the way society is, we are quick to blame somebody else. We're quick to have a reason for why things are the way they are because somebody else did something or is doing something. But we need to understand self-control. So let's start with this. Question number one, why is self-control important? First thing I want to talk about today, why is self-control even important? You know, the Bible talks about some areas in our lives that are negatively affected when we lack self-control. Look at this. Proverbs 29, verse 11. The Bible talks to us about anger. Proverbs 29, verse 11. It says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. See, it says, if you're a fool, you'll just go off. You'll just be angry. You'll just start blasting at everything. Now, you may say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The issue isn't being sorry. The issue is getting yourself under control. Proverbs 6, verse 25 and 26, talking about the negative impact of lust. It says, do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. For the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread and the adulteress preys on your very life. If we don't have great self-control, we can give over to the flesh and we can come to complete ruin. Proverbs 21 verse 20. This is in regard to financial spending because a lot of us, we need self-control when it comes to spending money. You say, well, not me, because I don't have a lot of money. Well, see, that's even more of a reason for us to have self-control. Even if we have little, we got to make sure we're using that the way God wants us to. Proverbs 21.10 says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. It says a foolish man devours all he has. I have a little something, and if I just ooh, take it all, mm, how smart is that? Let me be smart. Let me think about this. Let me have self-control and ration myself. Proverbs 23, verse 4, talks about ambition, our, our desires, our selfish ambition. Proverbs 23, 4 says, Do not worry yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. What does that mean, showing restraint? self control. You know, the list goes on and on in the Bible of telling us why it's important that we have self-control. Without self-control, we hurt ourselves. And God does not want his kids to be hurt. He doesn't want his son and his daughter hurt. So what did he do? He gave us the fruit of self-control. See, we shouldn't fight against it. We shouldn't be angry about it. We should realize God gave us the fruit of self-control to protect us. To help us to make our lives better than they were. The first thing I wanted to talk about was why is it important? So we have to define it. Now we see it's important. If I don't have self-control, I could ruin my life and the lives of people around me. 
Now, the second question I want to talk about today is, what does a self-controlled life look like? Okay, if I want to be self-controlled, what does that look like? I got to understand it better. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Paul tells us very clearly. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that would not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You know, from this passage, I want to talk about three specific things that Paul talks about to help us see how we need to have self-control, what it looks like to have self-control in our lives. And the first thing is this. The first characteristic that he's talking about is this. A self-controlled life is lived with a purpose. A self-controlled life is lived with a purpose. Again, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. See, it's important that we understand the aspects of what he's talking about in regards to a controlled life, self-controlled life. Paul says, when you enter a race, you don't train, you don't work out, you don't do all these uh, dietary things to go out and lose. You train to go out and win. And this is the purpose. Not everyone's going to win, but we need to train and fight and go after it to win the prize. Now, the prize that they win in these competitions, that earthly prize is here, but it's not as important as the spiritual prize, which lasts forever. So how do we win? Well, the first thing we got to understand is, are we struggling in our relationship with God? Are we struggling in our relationship in our marriages? Are we struggling with our parenting? See, the first thing we got to understand is, am I giving it my all? When you go out and you compete and you're in a race, you give it your all. You do all you can. Now, you, sometimes you win, sometimes you don't, but you give it your all. You see athletes who are competitive, and they, when they're done, they're, they're just like laying on the ground. Their bodies are done. How many times have we seen that? Even in the Olympics, as soon as it's over, they're just done. They gave it their all. So the question is, in your relationship with God, are you giving it your all? In your relationship, in your marriage, are you giving it your all? In your parenting, are you giving it your all? Now, many people say, yeah, I'm giving it my all, but they're not giving it their all. They need to up their game. They need. And again, we start pointing the fingers at everybody else. We have to understand self-discipline is what we individually need to do. And as we have self-discipline, that will even inspire others to have self-discipline. 
Again, verse 26, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26. He says, therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. Paul says he has a purpose. He does what he needs to do to guide himself to be the best he could be for Christ. He said, I, you know, I'm not a man who's running aimlessly. I don't just go out and just start zigzagging or running in circles around and around. No, I have a focus. I have a purpose. I'm running this direction for this long, this fast, because I'm training myself to be ready for this race. Life without a purpose is something that does harm to us because we have nothing that we're anchored to. As a Christian, we need to be anchored to God, anchored to Jesus. We have something that we see, we want to accomplish. That's our, our, our goal. Let me be the best I can be in the acts of Jesus. Let me do the best I can do to imitate Jesus. That needs to be our anchor point. God needs to be our anchor point. Not a person, but God. See, our anchor point can't be the elders, the evangelists, Bible talk leader. It can't be your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend. That cannot be your anchor point. Why? Because everybody's going to let you down at some point. But God, Jesus, will never, ever let you down. Now, if something is our purpose, what does that mean? Well, first of all, that means we focus on it as much as we can. We're striving to be the best at that. If my purpose is fishing, then I'm going to do all I can. I'm going to be thinking about it during the day, during the evening, during the night. I'm going to fish in the morning. I'm going to fish at night. What kind of bait do I need? What kind of poles and lures do I need? I'm going to be thinking about it. I'm going to be striving to be better at it. I want to learn as much as I can about fishing if that's my purpose. That's how we need to be with God. If God, if Jesus, following Jesus is our purpose, I want to think about it in the daytime, in the evening time, at nighttime. Now, it doesn't mean we get all weird and that's the only thing we're ever saying, the only thing we talk about. No, because that's not what Jesus did. Jesus had relationships. Jesus went to weddings. Jesus went to parties. Jesus did a lot of things. So it's not about being religious. It's about being in a relationship with Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Well, you got to read about Jesus, learn about Jesus so you can understand what a relationship with Jesus is all about. And then we have to strive to grow and get better. See, if we have a purpose, if something is our purpose, then we want to be the best at it that we can be. And that is something we all as Christians need to do. Strive to be the best Christian we can be. So the first characteristic, what we see here, is, is, is very important. And this is something we need to do to make sure I'm giving it my all. Now, second thing, second characteristic is this. A self-controlled life is lived with discipline. A self-controlled life is lived with discipline. Again, let's go back to 1 Corinthians, what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27. He says, No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself would not be disqualified for the prize. Paul said, What good is it if I go out and preach and teach and help everybody be saved, but then I don't make it? 
This is so important, guys. See, being in the church, being a disciple, being a Christian is not about here. Let me just go study the Bible here. Let me just make sure everybody else around me is OK. No, you got to make sure you are right with God first. Make sure you are at peace with God. You are living the way God wants you to. It's not about let me make sure everybody else is OK. See, we don't need to be mother hen over everybody, making sure all my little chicks are OK. We got to make sure we are OK. Well, why? Because your life is the biggest testimony you can give. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how much Bible you know, how much you can quote from the Bible, how many songs you can sing from the Gospels, from the hymns. It needs to be your life showing that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what makes the whole difference. Paul says that he had to discipline his body and make it his slave. In other words, he was not going to let the appetite of the body ruin his ministry. This is so important for us to understand. We have to make sure we are doing all we can to live the way God wants us to. And that calls for us to have discipline in our lives. You know, when Paul says that he disciplined his body, what he's saying is he would even give himself a knockout punch if it was going to keep him in line. In other words, he would do whatever it takes to keep him in line with being what God wants him to be. Now, the word for discipline, the definition of that is to hit under the eye. That's what it means in the Greek, the definition of discipline, to hit under the eye. Now, here's the thing. Most people are slaves to their body. Instead of making their body a slave, they're slaves to their body. Most athletes, whenever you're done uh, in that sport, seem to start gaining a lot of weight. Because during the time of training and participating, you have a strict diet, you have exercise, you have a clear focus, you have a purpose, and so you're doing it. But then when you're done with that sport, that focus, that purpose is hard to keep up. But you still have that appetite for the flesh. And so what happens is you start to gain weight. I say this because I speak for myself. Moving to New York, it is some good food in New York. I remember when I first moved here and Claudette bought over some oxtails. I had never eaten oxtails in my life. I didn't know what that was. I come to New York. I taste oxtails. I was so happy. Oh, Lord. It was some good food in New York. And then you know what happens. I looked at the scale. I hopped on it, looked at the scale. I was 275. I had to say to myself, self, this is just not going to work. So I had to start getting control of it. Now I'm down to about 260. My goal is 255. But I started gaining so much weight because I thought, man, this food is so good. And, and when they give me this food, I got to eat all of it. Instead of having self-control to say, I can, I can do this much right now. Let me save it. Let me wait. You know, I think just growing up, youngest of eight, when food came out, if I didn't get it, somebody else was going to take it. So I would eat kind of like, you know, kind of covering everything and make sure uh, I didn't get nothing taken from me. But I had to understand, listen, I need self-control in who I am. I do not want to hurt myself or my family because I don't have self-control.
Now, it's not just about physical. Spiritually, we need to have self-control. See, if we're not disciplined enough to have time with God every single day, we're going to hurt ourselves and our relationship with God. We have to make sure I am disciplined enough to have my times with God every single day. See, Paul said he exercised self-control. He was disciplined enough to stay away from all that stuff that would negatively impact his performance for Christ, his life for Christ. See, it takes discipline to reach goals. It takes discipline. During Paul's day, those, those athletes, they had to stay within the rules. If not, they could not participate in whatever it was. So it is important for us to understand a life of self-control means a life of discipline. Now, the third characteristic that we looked at here is this. A self-controlled life is lived in submission to something greater than yourself. A self-controlled life is lived in submission to something greater than yourself. Again, in Corinthians, Paul said that he disciplined his body so that he would not be disqualified. Paul disciplined his body so he would not be disqualified. The athletes of Paul's day follow strict training regiments. They would be disqualified from participating if they did something or broke the rules. So even today, you know, even in the Olympics, uh, athletes would be disqualified for competition if they have any uh, performance enhancing drugs. You know, even some things, even more than just that, even leaving cold medicines, some of the medicines they take can get them disqualified. There's things that can disqualify a person from the race. As a Christian, the key to self-control is submitting ourselves to Jesus Christ as Lord. We must be willing to allow Jesus to infiltrate and influence our lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of Christ's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. The very act of presenting your body to God is an act of self-control. You know what? No longer am I doing and living my life for me. I'm living it for God. Now, I'm going to enjoy my life, but I'm living it for God, not simply for me. See, if we submit ourselves to something greater than us, when we became Christians, we said Jesus is Lord. Well, before Jesus was Lord, we were Lord or something else was Lord. Money, work, uh, whatever was Lord. But now we're saying something greater than me is going to be the Lord. This takes self-control to keep Jesus at number one. Because so many times we can creep back up or work or our, our sports or our whatever it may be. Relationships can creep back up and no longer will God be number one. But we have to have self-control to keep God as number one in our lives. Now, the second area I want to talk about here, 
those were three categories under the first one. The second area, the second question is this. Areas where the fruit of self-control should be expressed. In other words, okay, what area in my life do I need to have self-control? What area in my life do I need to see self-control? You know, self-control should be evident in all areas of our lives. But here's a few that I want to consider we should really grow in. You know, we've been here in New York about four years now, two Corona years and two regular years. But I'm starting to get to know people. They're starting to get to know me. So I want to share what I, from me to you, what I feel like areas that we need more self-control in. Number one is in our minds. We need more self-control in our minds. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. To take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. This is important because so many people are controlled by their emotions and feelings. And if they feel something, then boom, that's the, that's the road we're going down. That's the highway we're going because I feel it. You know what? We can feel things. Nothing wrong with that. But you've got to take control of that if it's not a godly thing. If it's not something that's going to edify you, God, the church, people around you, your family. We have to think about these things. We've always said the battle starts in your mind. What you think will eventually come out. People don't think that. They don't understand that. They think they can think something and feel something and just going about life and kind of keep it to themselves. It is obvious in so many people when you're thinking something and feeling something, it just oozes out. Your face, your body, your, your tone. It, it will come out what you're really thinking. And for some reason, we think we can hide it, especially from God. God knows it. God sees it. But yet we still try to hide it. Got an attitude with somebody. Well, I'll, you know what? I'll have to deal with it. I'll just, just act like everything else. Just be social with them. But you don't know how unsocial you really are. See, the key is to master the mind by submitting your thoughts to Christ. You know what? When we got baptized, we said Jesus is Lord. That means Jesus needs to be Lord of your mind, too. It's like we're submitting everything to Christ, but our mind, our thoughts. That's why it says take captive your thoughts. So if you have a bad thought, does that mean you're evil? You're in sin? No. What the Bible says is take captive your thoughts. It doesn't mean you're going to always think right or pure or honestly. No, you're going to have thoughts that are not good. But you got to take them captive, bring them back, bring them under control. You say, well, how do you do that? Number one, if you memorize some scriptures, that will help you. When you start having those thoughts, those feelings, you can have a scripture that come to mind and it'll help you deal with that situation. Well, I don't know. Uh, I can't read that well. I don't know that much Bible. OK, how about some songs? There are songs that we sing that can help you. Take captive those thoughts. Everybody knows song. 
You know songs from when you were a teenager. You can't remember your password for something, but you remember the lines to the song that you sang as a teenager. We all can sing songs. That just becomes a part of who you are. Well, I can't read. I can't sing. Well, how about pray? Just praying about this, asking God to help you will help you overcome in this area. So we need to have self-control in our minds. Secondly, we need to have self-control with our tongues. Look in James chapter three, verse seven and eight. James three, verse seven and eight. It says all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a relentless evil full of deadly poison. You know, this can be one of the most difficult things for people to deal with. How many lives, how many relationships have been hurt or destroyed because of something we said? And we say things and say, oh, I was just joking. You weren't really joking because of the tone and the way you said it and how many times you said it. There was something behind what you said. And this is why it's so important for us to have self-control in the words we use. Proverbs 10, verse 19. Proverbs 10, 19. It says, when words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Guys, we got we to gotta, we gotta get a better grip on our tongue. Thirdly, in our spiritual growth, this is another area that we need to have better self-control in our spiritual growth. What do you mean? Having a quiet time. That should not be something that we have to be reminded of. Reading, praying every day. That just should be who we are. Well, you don't understand, Pastor Mo. We have all these distractions. Every time I try to read, my kids come in or my spouse wants to say something or the dog is barking at me, want me to take them outside. I understand those things happen, but we have to think and say, you know what? I need some time. I need some space. You can go outside. You can go in a closet. We can go in a prayer closet. We can do all kinds of things. It's up to you to figure out what's best for you, but we need self-control so we can have our times with God every single day. That is so important. We need to understand how important it is. For us to set aside time to pray, to read, to meditate. This is how Jesus made it through all the things he did. He was up early when it was dark praying. He went out to lonely places to pray. He did all he could because he knew prayer was so crucial. See, they didn't have uh, the Google Bible like we have. They didn't have iPhones or Bibles on it. They didn't have all those things. We have even more than the early Christians have to help us stay close to God. We need to be thankful for that. Again, Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. But the fruit of the Spirit is something that God gave us. Because he wants you to enjoy it. I'm giving you the fruit of the spirit because I want you to enjoy your life. I want you to be happy as my son or daughter. Fruit is good. It tastes good. It's good for you. God wants you to dive deep into the fruit bowl and enjoy every single blessing you can get out of it. Self-control is a great fruit 
with a giant effect that can impact your entire life and the life of those around you. Let's nurture the fruit that God has given us. Let's grow in the fruit that God has given us. Let's grow in our love, loving each other. Let's grow in our joy. We need to be happy. There's enough trouble in this world. We need to be happy, especially being together. Let's grow in our peace. You know what? We can't let everything bother us. Don't take everything personal. Let's have some peace in our household, in our relationships. Let's have some patience. You know what? Let me grow in my patience. Let me grow in my kindness. Let me grow in my goodness. Let me grow in my faithfulness. Not just to do acts of faith, but to consistently be somebody that is faithful. Let's be gentle. And let's have self-control. God gave them to you because he wants you to enjoy your life. I love you. I hope that this series has really helped you to grow in, in, in many different ways. But let's take a look back over the fruit of the spirit. Look at them. I want to encourage you to review it, to think about it. You can go back and look at the YouTube lessons on each of these topics and just make a decision. I'm going to be the best I can be. I'm going to have self-control. I'm going to have self-discipline. Make sure I can go back and look at these things. But I want to be the best I can be for the glory of God. I love you. Thank you again for joining us today. And to God be the glory.